Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by QED. In a world of increasing change and disruption, it's important to have solutions that can help you not just survive, but thrive. Learn more about QED's adaptive manufacturing enterprise at QED.com. Or you can reach out directly to us by contacting us at um, info at QED.com. My name is Asir Borges. I am the Vice President of Packaging here at QED, and I have the pleasure to be with... Steve Dombrowski, Director of Consumer Products and Food and Beverage at QED. It's been a while, Asir. Happy New Year. Yay, Happy New Year. Calendar has turned and we're in, as they say, same old blank, different day. <laughs> yeah, and I can't believe it's already half of January, half the, the month has passed already. Yeah, we are exactly in the middle, aren't we? Exactly. So today we're going to be talking about reframing or reinventing OEE, which is a big deal in both of our industries, Steve, uh, and both in packaging as well as food and beverage. And today we're going to talk about, first of all, disruptions. We're going to talk about the traditional OEE approach, the new OEE approach, how customers can implement this new approach, and a summary. Anyway, so without further ado, let's talk about disruptions. And disruptions really kill. S&P published some numbers for average lifespans of companies. And back in 1964, companies, they used to be around for 33 years. In 2016, that number went down to 24 years. And by 2027, it's expected to be 12 years. So if you think that disruption doesn't kill, think again. Polaroids, uh, you can talk about Polaroid. Go ahead. That's a funny story, guys. You're going to love this. No, no, no problem. No, uh, I see her and, and I in prep for this call. We were talking about what companies, you know, were around back then that aren't today. I mean, he mentioned, you mentioned BlackBerry in our conversation and Kodak and I joked about Polaroid. We were watching a movie over the holidays, and somebody took a picture with a Polaroid camera, and my daughter said, what, what the heck is that? And we're like, it's, just, it's a camera. And she's like, I've never seen one of those. And, you know, you're not going to find one of those unless you go to some antique store. So it's uh, another thing is here, too. You know, if you think about it, how about something even simpler? How about newspapers? Oh, yeah. I mean, They're, you know, it's printed newspapers are basically gone. Um, so. Yeah. So, you know, at least they can take advantage of the internet for the internet media, but... Exactly. So, anyway, continue with the conversation, Steve. I had a webinar the other day, and basically we introduced a poll about efficiencies in companies. And basically, 70% of the respondents, they said that their companies, they had room for improvements. And the options were very efficient, moderately efficient, and with room for improvements. And 70% of them, they said that, they, they, uh, they have some room for improvements, which tells me that there are a lot of inefficiencies in a lot of companies out there. And from what I know from you and what we discuss in other subjects, other webinars and whatever, I believe it's the same thing in your vertical, right? 
Oh, without question, there's there's always room for improvement. And what companies are finding today is, again, I hate to keep bringing it up, and I'm probably going to bring it up three more times during this conversation, is the whole pandemic. Companies are now realizing that they have to be nimble and they have to change on the dime. You know, we saw companies who make product decks and they started making a face mask or hand sanitizer during the pandemic. So efficiencies is not just about a line speed or getting something out the door and not having something on the line shut down. It's it's the whole plant. It's the whole operation. It's the whole enterprise. And I think what the pandemic has showed companies is going back to the companies that are no longer with us, you better be able to change on a dime. And that includes the efficiencies and make sure you're always operating at top efficiency or else that's going to contribute to you saying bye-bye. Exactly. So let's go back to disruption. And uh, we talk about disruption in, in both packaging and food and beverage. So new compliance demands, both in packaging as well as in food and beverage, right? Skew proliferation is a big deal. Packaging companies as well as food and beverage, they're introducing new sizes, new flavors, new products, uh, new trends uh, in the market, unparalleled speed. They'll never seen before speed. And you mentioned to me uh, the other day about companies that in principle, people thought that they wouldn't introduce a lot of uh, new skills. And it was actually the contrary, right? Exactly. It's... um. It, it's it's mind-boggling in terms of companies. If you know that you talk to, they say if we would have known about the pandemic, the last thing we would have thought we would be doing is introducing new products. And the and the pandemic has actually now become the new test markets for these people because they have a captive audience. So they're introducing new flavors and things they may not have tried because consumers are looking for newer things now. We're trapped at home. We can't go out to eat. We're looking for different types of snacks. And companies are are actually responding very quickly and introducing new products to the market as faster before. And again, you talk all the time about food, beverage, and packaging being connected at the hip. You know, we're like twisted sisters. The packaging companies are also looking at innovations in packaging because consumers have to store more. We're putting more things in our pantries. We're putting more things in our freezers and our refrigerators. So flexible packaging is really being advanced because people are trying to fit more things in the same space because, you know, they're not necessarily hoarding, but people are fearful of, you know, are things going to be on the grocery store shelf? So there's a lot of innovations happening, like you said, in a lot of different areas. Exactly. And definitely, there are two other ones that we, we can mention that are big deals, especially e-commerce. Imagine if you're going to buy online uh, a tray of eggs, and if they, they get delivered to you in the same tray as you, you typically buy at a grocery store, so what would happen? It, this wouldn't be either funny or... <laughs> Oh, eventually, if, if you're not buying, and if you're just looking at the guy getting it, it might be funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to get an omelette, a premix, or a vomelette, or what have you, right? Yeah. I feel sorry for those delivery guys. Talk about the t- talk about a new meaning of the expression egg on their face, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, e-commerce, um, jokes apart, e-commerce is putting a lot of pressure in both industries and basically requiring packaging manufacturers to go an extra hoop to deliver on that. Uh, Amazon has some 
guidelines and a full set of specifications for, for packaging, which is interesting. And then on top of that, you have the same customers demanding more sustainable alternatives, uh, even though they, they're clicking on online, buying, and online we all know that require more packaging, but they still want more and still more sustainable. No, you're 100% right. You know, a couple of things on both those subjects, starting with, you know, the last one, sustainability, that's grown more, again, that's another topic through the pandemic. I hate keep bringing it up. I'm bringing it up probably five more times during this conversation, but that's another area where people are focusing more since the pandemic. And you mentioned e-commerce and it, there's another tr- a trend that's happening. And I think it's going to grow this year and beyond. In addition to the increase in online buying and online food ordering, which is which went up 75% last year, is food and beverage companies and consumer product companies are now starting their own e-commerce businesses. So rather than going through the the other services, they're starting their own because they're saying, just eliminate the middleman. So exactly. they're going to do that on their own. And in fact, they're even partnering with some of these online companies where if you go, let's say some companies, if you go to Amazon to buy something and you click on the chat box, you don't get an Amazon person. You actually get a person from the actual manufacturing company. Some of our customers are actually doing that today. So it's that's another area that's really soaring. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. So there are a few other ones, but if, uh, disruptions, but I, I think our listeners, they basically got the message in terms of disruption. So let's get into the real meat here. Yep. First of all, talking about the real meat, we need to talk briefly talk about the traditional OE or overall equipment effectiveness. Overall equipment effectiveness has always been front and center in packaging and to probably the same extent in food and beverage. And this primarily because most of these industries, they are capital intensive or capital equipment intensive operations. And because of that, they need to to have that equipment running efficiently. And I don't disagree. And I'm not saying, hey, we should forget in, uh, about OEE, the traditional OEE. The only thing is that basically today, the way that these KPIs are defined within companies, they sometimes they are not conducive to the best of the company. They are formulated in a way that it's pretty much siloed and and they can be even detrimental to another department. And I'll give you a few examples, and uh, probably you have the same examples. Like when you look into finance, for instance, CFOs, they love to have the minimum inventory as possible, zero if it's possible. But at the end of the day, is that even realistic? Because if you go down to zero, probably going to have a lot of stockouts and you're not going to be able primarily to serve your customers. And especially in a world full of disruptions and especially with supply chains being so much stretched thin, this is particularly true. So the same thing with supply chain. You have a lot of supply chain managers that they have objective to, to buy at the lowest price or lowest cost as possible. But sometimes... If the lowest cost or lowest price eventually come at a cost, and that cost can be in poor quality or variable lead time, 
And all of these eventually might lead into a higher inefficiency in operations because even though the equipment can run efficiently, but now if you don't have the big equipment running because of lack of raw materials or poor quality or what have you, now what, what good does that bring to the company? And that can bring to that situation, yeah, the equipment, the CEO asking the, the CEO, wow, how's the equipment? Oh, it's very efficient. Yeah, but how, why do I see everything, you know, down? Oh, it's not the equipment. And, uh, and probably the CEO is going to say, I don't care about that. So the whole thing about how the KPIs are set up, they are pretty much siloed and not truly discussed and to see what's the impact across the organization, even sales KPIs. Do we really want the biggest target sales as possible? Not just the biggest. You need to see what's the quality of those sales. Do you have the right mix and things like that? Do you have the right profitability? So you, you need to be really careful when you, you formulate KPIs. And basically, even going back to sales, well, is that mix... In the sales forecast, is that a good mix for production, for supply chain? Are we going to be able to get the raw material components on time? So a lot of these things, sometimes they are set up in a way that are not basically totally discussed and agreed. And that's when you, you have problems. But this doesn't happen in your vertical, right, <laughs> right Steve? No, I've never uh, heard of any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> never at all. It's uh, you know, you you brought up a lot of good topics there, and and as we transition from the traditional to new approach, some of these terms that we use in in industry, it's like sustainability. Everybody, when you say sustainability, and people immediately think of two things: some moron throwing an empty food wrapper or, or can or bottle out of a car window, or turning the lights on or off when you leave a room. And and sustainability is a thousand percent more than that. And same with OEE. One of the things food and beverage companies are doing today is it's not just about the actual machine being efficient, but it's about maybe the machine efficiency can be better based on where it is. And it's the overall efficiency of the process. So the start to finish of making a can of soup. Maybe if I had the alignment of the facility differently, my overall effectiveness goes up. So people are starting to really look at some of those things in addition to simply, hey, is this machine, do I need a better machine or is it fast or slow? They're, they're tying all the processes together. And a piece of equipment is actually just a small piece of the puzzle, not the, the whole puzzle, which people used to think of. Yeah, it's just like another cog in the process and all the, the complex machine that manufacturing is. And the other you know, big KPI is maintenance. Everyone wants maintenance to be lowest cost as possible, lowest possible downtime and things like that. But at the end, it's a delicate balance because machinery, just like uh, any other piece of equipment, you need a minimum of maintenance, and uh, especially in today's world where you can eventually get started on the predictive maintenance path. It doesn't make sense for companies to still be, like a lot of companies are, still be in the corrective path so that you wait for the equipment to break down and then you fix it. 
So which typically takes much longer and it costs a whole lot more. Well, you know, you br- just bring up maintenance and, and maintenance has actually, again, here we go. I'm, I'm going to, I should have started keeping count during the recent situation. I won't even use the word pandemic anymore. During the recent situation, a lot of manufacturing companies have run into issues where machines have broken down. They go to fix that machine and guess what? They can't get the part because the part is coming from a country that might be shut down or a city that's shut down or a company um, that can't ship for some reason because it's not considered an essential business and something that you would be able to typically get within a day or two to fix your machine. You're waiting weeks. And so now your machines are down. So that has put focus on the whole preventative maintenance topic. And in terms of you talk about inventories, you mentioned inventories would cost. Well, what about inventory costs for those repair parts? People are going to say, you know, maybe we should keep a better stash of our repair parts on hand in case we run into this again. Yep, definitely. And going back to, uh, you know, to the webinar I gave about the same subject, we had another poll here. And basically the poll was, does your company have the right process to set up KPIs? And three alternatives, yes, we have the right process, no, or traditionally, we have some room for improvements. And 70%, again, uh, voted that uh, they have some room for improvements. And I believe it's no different than in food and beverage. Nope. Again, I think uh, these numbers are matching simply because, you know, I don't think you're ever going to have anybody say, yeah, we're perfect in this area or one area. But again, disruption is now going back to disruptions. It's it's the standard. It's the norm. You know, I was going to say when we spoke about that 10 years ago, a machine going down or a product not coming in, a raw material not coming in, a customer changing an order, people in this industry would consider that a disruption. Today, it's not. That's if you talk to any of our customers, they'll say, hey, Steve, that's not a disruption. It's the day in the life of the food business or a consumer products business and even your end packaging. So I think, you know, again, these issues are prevalent across the board and it doesn't even matter what manufacturing industry you're in. Exactly. And now let's talk about the new approach. What's the new approach? Primarily, we are redefining one of the E's, the first E of OE. Instead of overall equipment effectiveness, we are talking about overall enterprise effectiveness. So in this new wage, and it's not even new, but it's, it's overlooked and everyone knows, yeah, we should do, but uh, very few companies do. So they should basically have at, a, at the center uh, IRDA, because at the end of the day, even though profit is not the only thing that matters in this world for companies, but let's face it, without profit, a company is not sustainable either. So if the company wants to be a social um, responsible entity in today's world, yeah, the company needs to have uh, also some profitability as well. So that's why we recommend to, to start setting up the KPIs based on what the company expects to produce as EBITDA and start setting up each one of the departmental goals and KPIs based on that. So everyone talks around EBITDA and say, hey, 
this is going to affect positively or negatively. And assess the risks, assess what's at stake in terms of quality, in terms of maintenance, and everyone starts the true conversation around the same common goal. But above all, this the common goal of achieving a good EBITDA, that's not just for the CEO or not just for the CFO. Everyone needs to be responsible for that and accountable for that too. So that is how the new approach that we suggest and reframing OE as overall enterprise. And it's sometimes it's, it might be just philosophical, you know, and I sometimes compare that to the half empty or half full glass, but you got, you got to have to be optimistic on that. Companies need to work together. Every people in every company, you, you talk about teamwork, about teamwork, but nevertheless, you still see a lot of silos and how you end up breaking those silos. And we're going to talk about that, how companies can eventually implement that. But before we go there, anything to add here, Steve? No, again, it's you covered all the key points. And, you know, profitability is is critical to, all, again, all industries, all manufacturers. But, again, if I focus on the vertical I spend the most time with, food and beverage, I mean, it's a low-margin business. And any disruption that's going to impact a delivery of an order or not being able to sell something to one of your customers, your profit hit is huge because the margins are small to begin with. And, and people don't realize, again, you know, we, we talked about maintenance. We talked about on manufacturing. You don't realize how much of a hit to profit margins downtime is and the cost. It, it's amazing. So, you yeah. know, the focus, like, like you said, I, I agree a thousand percent. That focus is, is critical. All right. So let's move into how companies can, can implement it. Well, there are two components to to basically to implement a process that basically brings the dialogue back and brings the uh, I won't even say the dialogue back but brings setting up KPIs in a more collaborative way. Number one, obviously, is the collaborative attitude and behavior for the top executives and for the whole team as well. That's number one, because even if you have the right tools which a lot of companies don't have, you still need the cooperation and collaboration from each and every single of the, the, the team members. That's number one. But number two, equally important, is to have the tools. And what are these tools? These tools are what we call at QED the adaptive manufacturing enterprise, which is primarily a company that's, first of all, integrated, totally connected, and given full visibility from end to end to every single stakeholder. So when an order comes in, everyone in the process, including finance, they know what's coming in. They know what's required from each one of these departments to make it happen in terms of inventory, in terms of quality, in terms of machine time, everything. And everyone can now start working towards that. And conversely, if anyone has any problems in delivering those resources, either machine time, planning, or supply chains for a problems with uh, lead times, 
everyone needs to be informed so that at the end, the most important part in the process, which is the customer, is aware of what's going on. Because customers, they don't like surprises, and especially bad surprises. So having these tools is as paramount, as, is as important as it is to have the collaborative approach. Steve, your take. You have to be integrated across the board. Um, every avenue, every area of your operation, more so today than ever before, they used to talk about silos for just supply chain, but it's, it's, it's not anymore. It's, it's silos for the entire business. Everybody from product design through raw materials all the way through through the shipping, through the whole supply chain and value chain, and, and everybody has to be in sync because it can impact how effective and efficient your operations are. So if you're not connected and everybody in the organization isn't on the same page, that's a, another area of a disruption that you're not even looking at potentially having. Exactly. And the other thing, too, that's, um, you know, it came up during the webinar. It is about BI. BI used to be and used to be touted as the salvation. And the whole thing was BI at the, at the end, what happens is you get a trove of data, which happened in the past, and now you're going to analyze that data. But the present is still going on, and the future is ahead of you. So the analogy is BI is like driving a car and you have uh, the rear view mirror and you're looking at the rear view mirror and the future and the present is on the dashboard is on the windshield ahead of you. So that's the analogy. And what we're trying to say is companies need to have the dashboard and basically to give the information to everyone managing those departments and those day-to-day -day activities so that they can make a good decision on the fly and adapt to disruptions on the fly. That's primarily the analogy that came up yesterday, too. No, I agree. An informed decision, the more data you have, the more information you have, like they say, knowledge is power. It allows you to make not only an informed decision, but a quick decision. Speed is more essential today than ever before. Agreed. All right. So in summary, what we talked about was we need to have a collaborative approach. Information availability in exchange is crucial. So we can have better inventory efficiencies. We can have better forecasting and scheduling. And above all, we can have higher evidence and adapt to all the changes. Right, Steve? I couldn't agree more. It's tough out there. And you, you just, I keep going back to the word nimble. And I think nimble is 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 the key to the future. You know, if you don't want to end up like one of those newspapers or uh, the old-fashioned camera, you need to cover all these areas. And I think the OEE in the new way is the way to go. All right. Well, with this, we get to the end of our podcast or episode today. I thank you, everybody. And this podcast was brought to you by QED. In a world of increasing change and disruption, it's important to have solutions that can help you not just survive, but thrive. Learn more about QED Adaptive Applications at QED.com. Or you can reach out directly to us at info at QED.com. Well, we also like to thank, uh, give many, many thanks to 
a dear colleague that's going to be leaving soon, Catherine Wagner. Thank you so much for producing this episode for us. We appreciate that and we wish you success. Thank you. Sure.